It's the My Michelle Live podcast. Looking for the God story and news of the day. My Michelle Live news and views. Here's Michelle. Thank you, big voice guy. Welcome to News and Views Thursday. We're talking this week, the entire week, we've been bringing logic and reason into the discussion, which I know, I know, isn't really fashionable right now to discuss logic or reason to, or, or to uh, logically debate things out. It's more, come on, I don't like what you have to say. I find it offensive. It's wrong. Uh, you don't get a voice. And I'm going to label you and I'm going to cancel you. That's really a lot of what's happening now. So on a lot of stories, we talked last week a bit about Gina Carano, the Mandalorian star. Um, she and even her toys now are no longer approved for production. I mean, total canceling total canceling. You know, let's talk Disney for just a moment. The Disney who put out movies of strong, independent women with their own thought processes, even if it offended or bothered other people or went about went above and beyond and around the groupthink or the illogical fallacy of um, ad populace, whatever's popular, right? Whatever the group actually thinks. So Disney had things like Milan. They had movies like Pocahontas, which isn't really historic, but I mean, you know, historically accurate. But that's a show for another day. Thank you very much. But yet, it's okay to cancel this woman for thinking for herself and even some of the things that she's been accused of saying she never said. She just brought some things to the table. She has a differing point of view, like it or not. Free speech can be uncomfortable. You don't cancel people for it. Another celebrity who is canceled off and on, and he doesn't seem to care, is Chris Pratt. He's known for appearing in the Marvel movies, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's been canceled. Oh, not only that, uh, but also in uh, Jurassic Park in the latest movies, but he's been canceled plenty of times on Twitter uh, over claims that he is homophobic and goes to an anti-LGBTQ church. Uh, Again, no logic and reason, because for people who go to churches like Chris Pratt goes to a church or they uh, adhere to a traditional marriage structure, they're not saying I hate you or I'm anti-LGBTQ, you know, in your own choice, your choice, your world. Uh, they're saying this is God's best. This is what we see as being God's best. This is what marriage is. You want to do you. Um, that's That may be your business, and that may be between you, your partner, and God. But as far as marriage, should we look at marriage as being between a man and a woman? Uh, domestic partnerships in other regards. That's something that can be debated and not canceled. You don't. And if you feel that it's hate, you don't distinguish darkness with darkness. You don't distinguish hate with hate. You distinguish darkness with light. And you distinguish hate with love. Apparently, Dolly Parton, she's being canceled because of her Super Bowl ad where she changed her song from 9 to 5, the old 9 to 5. Uh, 
change it to five to nine, talking about what you do after work, that's insensitive to people who have to work a couple of jobs or work late at night. Uh, we're wanting to cancel President's Day because not all presidents are good presidents or woke presidents. We're looking at PETA's wanting to cancel Groundhog's Day, which just happened earlier this year. Uh, They think maybe put a meteorologist in the hole and make him crawl out because it's insensitive to animals. And by the way, we need to cancel, they say, words like pig out and you're acting like an animal. Uh, It hurts animals' feelings. We've taken it really far we can be offended by everything. And in our offense, we have less logical capabilities to talk to other people and make changes in the world. I have to play this for you. Um, John B. Christ. John B. Christ. Super funny. Can't even go to the supermarket without getting offended. We got rid of Aunt Jemima. We got rid of Uncle Ben's. But I am wildly triggered by the brands and the photos that I see in this grocery store. Using a polar bear to sell your ice cream, Klondike. Did you know polar bears were extinct? No, thank you. Canceled. Paw Patrol mac and cheese. Listen, defund the police, defund Paw Patrol. V8. You know what kind of emissions an engine like that puts out to the environment? I drive a Prius and that is canceled. Canceled. White rice. Brown rice. Why they gotta be separated? Think about it. Cancel. Uncle Ben's absolutely offended by that. Listen, do I know any minorities myself? No, I don't, but I feel very confident speaking on their behalf on the internet. Hola, Tapatio. Una pregunta. You ever heard of cultural appropriation? Cancel. Oh, look at there. It's a woman leading a cow against its will to the slaughter. Selling popsicles shaped as bullets. Wow, absolutely canceled. Blue Ribbon, everyone's a winner. Thank you, that is the only brand of ice cream I will support. Rebel Ice Cream, wow, why don't you just change this to Soldier in the Confederate Army Ice Cream. Okay, I just looked up Red Baron. Red Baron is a fighter pilot in the German Air Force in World War One. Seems extremely anti-Semitic. Orville Redenbacher, look at this guy. He definitely made some mistakes in his past. Do you want to cancel him? We can if we want. I'll look up some mistakes that he made in his past and we can cancel him. I need to appease my white guilt by virtue signaling on the internet. We have a link on our website, mymichellelive.com to the entirety of John B. Christ's funny experience at the supermarket. Super great. And uh, thank you, John. That was great. Continuing the theme through the week of logic and reason. Have we lost all reason to rhetoric? It seems that in our world, we have kind of abandoned the idea of dialogue, logical discourse, uh, looking for truth to how does it make me feel? Politicians jump on that bandwagon to manipulate us into getting the support that they need to stay in power and, well, in some cases, complete their agenda. Is that what is happening around us? Can we look logically and argue logically about some of the issues of the day. That's part of what we're taking on on this News and Views Thursday. Let's talk, well, for example, guns. If you remember back in Parkland a few years ago, 2018, 17 people, 14 students and three staff killed by a gunman on Valentine's Day. 
Fast forward to 2021, our new president has called on Congress to pass, quote, common sense gun law reforms. Some of those reforms will include a required background checks. Does that seem reasonable? Maybe. On all gun sales, a ban on assault weapons and high capacity magazines and eliminating immunity for gun manufacturers that knowingly put weapons of war on our streets. So does this seem common sense? Well, we're going to be taking that on and actually talking about it without canceling. I'm not about to cancel my next guest, Edwin Walker. He's a Houston-based attorney for U.S. Law Shield. They're a company that provides legal protection to gun owners. So uh, you come from a side of saying, hey, we have to have a little common sense. Guns are a reality. They're part of our constitutional right. Uh, and being a man of the law, you, I'm hoping, argue logic and reason on a daily basis. Welcome. Well, well, thank you for having me. I certainly try. Um, you know, and it's interesting that you, you know, one of the first things you mentioned in your, your opening dialogue was about, um, you know, the, the words that we use and the way that they make us feel and the nomenclature, because that has been one of the primary tools of the anti-gun folks, the anti-Second Amendment folks, is that they 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 use these words and they're unchallenged. They're 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 never called to task. They're never asked to explain. Just a few of the things that they rely on. They talk about a gun violence epidemic. There is no gun violence epidemic. There really isn't. I All know right, let's let's stop that. there just for a moment. Let's just stop there for a moment because uh, that is something that you can challenge with studies and with facts, with logic and with reason. Okay, it feels like there's a gun e- a violence epidemic when we see things bombarded at us from the news. It scares us. It hurts us. We fear for our children. We feel unsafe and you hear me saying a lot of feeling words so how much of that is rhetoric and then how much as you say let's look into the facts are there studies that show otherwise so that we can actually think it through and dialogue rather than just feel bad well yeah all you have to do is look at the look at the the fbi crime statistics uh, you know, the things that are high profile, like you mentioned the Parkland shooting, and anytime there's a mass shooting, of course, it looks like the, the gun is at fault instead of the, you know, there, I think that there is a problem with evil in the world, and there is a problem with crazies, and there is a problem with people wanting to do things to get on the news. Uh, but if you look at gun violence as a whole, uh, if you look at you know armed robberies and you know just random murders that are done by a gun, where you don't you know you have one or two individuals killed by a gun instead of you know fourteen or fifteen or twenty, uh, that of course is going to make the news. And like I said, you can look at the statistics, and if you look at per capita murders that are committed by firearms. Uh, they have gone, they have steadily gone down over the last 50 years. And so we don't have a gun violence epidemic. And also one of the things that the anti-gun folks like to throw into this mix are uh, accidents and suicides. And those are not actually acts of gun violence. You know, it's a tragedy anytime somebody loses their life, but somebody 
killing themselves with a firearm or somebody you know having an accident with a firearm is not the same as an innocent life being taken by a firearm uh, where one person has decided unilaterally to end the life of another person unlawfully with a firearm. And if you look at that statistic, you know, the, the gun, the anti-gun folks throw out this number that, you know, there are 35,000 gun deaths or there are 40,000 gun deaths in America. Well, if you look at those, only about a third of those are actually criminal acts that are committed with firearms. And so and what know, are the no, others? There's no. Well, the others are suicides and accidents okay. uh, and justified shootings. <clears throat> okay. And so some people are saying, well, you know, for these suicides and accidents, if we had guns out of the hands of citizens, we wouldn't see uh, suicides that lead to fatalities or gun accidents that lead to children, you know, shooting their, their little brothers. Well, and keep in mind the laws, you know, whenever we're talking about expanding gun laws, uh, the laws already exist. There are laws in, 50, in all 50 states which uh, seek to prevent guns from falling into the hands of children. You know, suicides are tragic, but they are, you know, they are basically isolated events. They're encapsulated into the, you know, the individual and the family that experiences it. And it's so we terrible, can't blame we can't but, blame guns, is what you're saying. Uh, but in a way, we aren't uh, doing anything to uh, to really turn back some of the illogic around the coronavirus and uh, lockdown. The loss of jobs has made suicides go up particularly among young people you know so we you can spin things any way you want and make anything that you want to be the bad guy but when we get to the point where we're only operating by rhetoric and feelings edwin we're not really debating out what could be best what really could curb some of the violence that we see or some of the concerns that we have a lot of the uh, anti-gun rhetoric from the politicians out there, it is clear that they know nothing about firearms. You remember in debate class, you had to understand uh, where the other person was coming from so that you could make a logical and powerful argument and debate things out. That is suffering. And because of that, I think we're suffering and even putting ourselves in more danger. I'll give you the final word. Well, yes, and we see that with with the the anti gun agenda that's been rolled out by by they virtually know nothing about the gun laws that exist already. They don't know anything about how firearms operate or what makes them more or less deadly. There's nothing that makes one more deadly than the other. It's very concerning that the people who are in charge with passing gun laws know nothing about the laws that already exist or the guns that are out there. Uh, that they're attempting to regulate. Yeah. So once again, reason has given way to rhetoric and we're all suffering for it. We should be having a debate on this. I have really enjoyed our time today. Edwin Walker is down there in a very unseasonably cold Texas <laughs> in the Houston area. Uh, so stay warm, my friend. And please, will you join us again soon? Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure. And, uh, you know, anytime, always available to, to speak with you. 
Hey, I have news for you men. It's only logical and reasonable to want to look your best when you have that gorgeous beard on your face. So take care of your beard. We have a connection for you with real bearded men. So if you're a real man and you got a real beard, go to Real Bearded Men. Find the link on My Michelle Live. Save money and make that beard look great. Welcome to News and Views Thursday, where today we're talking about logic and reason. Throughout the week, we've been taking on the idea of logic and reason and being able to take on the issues of the day with a little logic, with a little reason, and coming to logical conclusions. But in some instances, it seems as though we have abandoned logic and reason for rhetoric. So looking at specific issues like uh, immigration, where have we lost the ability to debate and come to logical conclusions and where are we getting it wrong? So I'm going to someone who has been on the front lines. He's a retired ICE supervisory special agent, Victor Avila. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Michelle, for having me. Thank you so much. So as we see uh, now 25,000 folks that are going to be coming into our country, uh, we've had a, a different change completely night and day in uh in presidential ideas, but we still have the same old debate. You know, we're a caring country. We need to open our borders. Wait a minute. You know, let's take a step back. Uh, but we're not we're not able to really discuss these things anymore and find reasonable solutions. How has that affected uh, the border? How has it affected our agents and how is it affecting our country? Lots of stuff to ask there. Huh? It really is, and it really is a big shift just in the last three weeks under the new administration. And you're absolutely right. I've always considered myself as a former law enforcement officer, a person that uses logic and common sense on a daily basis. And it always seems right now that that has gone out the window because one thing is to disagree with policies that the prior administration had implemented regarding border security and immigration. And another thing is to disregard completely the, the safety and security of our country and our communities. And they, they don't seem to be happening hand in hand. They're, uh, the, the new policy, the 26, by the way, I hear it's 26,000 people that will be coming in later this week. Um, we are unable to vet them com uh, completely. Uh, they're, they're asylum seekers. However, the asylum criteria has not changed in this country and the laws to seek asylum have been the same for many years. It's the interpretation of that uh, asylum laws that has changed. And so we're going to allow uh, these uh, undocumented individuals to come into the country, seek asylum from within, which is the old catch and release uh, policy that is now back in full effect. And over 90% of these individuals will never be heard from again once they get their court hearing sometime in two or three years from now. And so there's no logic or reasoning behind that and uh, in, in regarding our border security. Now, that's immigration. There's uh, the cartels, there's the, the human trafficking, the human smuggling, the, the poison that continues to come into our country, the methamphetamine, the fentanyl. We had over 80,000 overdoses last year in this country 
uh, on that poison that has come to our communities around our country, and there's no outrage there. And so I, I love uh, that the, the, the premise of the show today is because uh, approaching things with what's happening on the ground in a logical sense. And the true experts are, the, are, the, are our border patrol agents and on the front lines that see it happening every day right now. And let me tell you, it is a crisis down there. It will continue to be because the, the signal has been sent to Mexico, Central America, and frankly, the rest of the world that the, open is wide, the border is wide open. And there's conflicting messages from this administration, the Biden administration, as to how to enforce that, especially when it comes to communication with Mexico as to how we're going to approach it. There, there, has no, there hasn't been a clear, concise message throughout uh, from the administration to the whole Department of Homeland Security as to how to address this. It's kind of like, let's open it up. But wait a minute, let's not open it up because we have people coming in with COVID positive cases and uh, all of a sudden COVID doesn't matter, but it does matter. And, and it's, just, it's just creating more chaos down at our southern border right now. Yeah, that, that's something looking at logic and reason. We have closed our entire country down. People have lost jobs and businesses. We can't go and see grandma when she's in the hospital or if your, your uh, wife is having a baby, you can't be part of it. We have essentially built a wall around ourselves. <clears throat> and yet where it comes to our borders, we're saying, oh, but that's okay. We another another side issue of that is uh, the vaccine. People are clamoring to get this vaccine, and yet uh, we had a we had a story here. True story, Victor. A, a granny in her 80s walked something like six miles in the snow to get her vaccine, and yet, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of folks aren't able to get their vaccines, and uh, the administration is saying, well, we'll, we'll just vaccinate everyone coming in. So you know, it would make sense that if you're trying to achieve herd immunity through vaccines, which whether that works or not subject for a different show, uh, you would think that you would make sure that your herd immunity, your health of your nation is set, then you can more effectively help others. It's the idea of the airplane. Put your mask on first before you put it on someone else. That's a great analogy. And, and adding to that is, you know, the re travel restrictions, uh, the administration wants to uh, in implement travel restrictions into the state of Florida because of what, you know, they're open over there and what the governor has done. Yet there's no restrictions uh, as to coming into our country illegally. It doesn't make any sense that the, the, uh, one plus one does not equal two and no logic. Uh, and, uh, and really uh, what, what really, worries me is the the safety and security because other people that want to come into our country and i'm not talking about the the economic migrants we are we are humanitarians we we do feel for the the circumstances that these people are leaving and uh, from their countries yeah. but it comes to uh, a point in our country that in the united states we have to protect our own sovereignty and 
and we want to help these individuals, but we do have the laws that we have to enforce. because of our immigration. I mean, I'm assuming that both you and I have some background that leads us outside of just, you know, born and bred in the United States. You know, I my family is Hispanic, uh, Hawaiian, uh, even uh, immigrants from uh, Ireland. So, you know, we all have that. We're better people because of immigration. We're better because of the diversity that that brings in. However, uh, we're not doing anyone any favors when we just say, we open borders. You had mentioned an issue that's very, I'm very passionate about, and that's human trafficking. You allow people to just come in undocumented. That kind of means logic. Let's take logic here that they're not documented. You don't know what's happening to them. You don't know what's going on in their lives. And if they disappear forever as, uh, into the dark world of sex trafficking, we'll never know. That, that's right, Michelle. I'm a subject matter expert in human trafficking. That, that's what I did most of my investigations on, uh, especially when I was uh, stationed in Mexico. I rescued countless women and children from uh, these horrific situations and was able to dismantle a lot of organizations that traffic women into the sex slave trade into the United States from Mexico into Atlanta, New York, Miami, Houston, uh, countless uh, cities around our country. And, uh, and so that hasn't stopped, by the way. That illegal activity hasn't stopped. The drugs hasn't stopped. And uh, unfortunately, the, uh, the terrorism aspect of it and the national security that I believe border security is uh, continues to be an issue because we're not able to vet these individuals. I was hoping, uh, Victor, um, you could share with us some of the stories from the front lines there with border agents. We're really not hearing those stories in the news. We're not, we're not seeing it covered or talked about much in the political realm. Um, it's as though it just doesn't exist. We're giving one narrative. And to me, that's pretty illogical. So I thought perhaps you could share with us some of the stories of what's really happening down there. Uh, I'll give you two, two examples. Uh, this has is, this is just happened in the last week and a half. Uh, a human smuggling group uh, was detected down in the Texas border of 81 individuals. And this is the difference that, uh, the, that we, we see this happening every day. However, these individuals out of the 81, 20 of them were only from Mexico. All others from, were other than Mexico, we call OTMs, uh, other than Mexicans. And uh, the issue okay. here is that they, they were given 200 pounds of methamphetamine amongst them to smuggle as part of the smuggling venture. Now, in my career, I had never seen this. It would have been the, the coyote, you know, you smuggle the people and it's a human smuggling venture and that's it. And the drug cartels do the drug drugs. Well, they're combining those two efforts now and using these uh, uh, immigrants to say, okay, you're gonna pay us the four or $5,000 fee to get you across the border. But on top of that, we're gonna make you cross our drugs as well. So that's happening, that's different and that's new. Uh, another thing that's ha happening, uh, another example I could give you is people that are uh, illegal aliens that are in custody in our local jails are being released. And because of the new Biden administration of his new prioritization or the priority that, that he set up of people that cannot be touched or deported, the, the county jails are, are calling ICE and ICE is saying we cannot deport them because of the new mandate by uh, President Biden. 
And so they're letting these people in, out into the street. They're illegal aliens that have been uh, in the jail system for a crime they committed. But on top of that, there was an individual that went through that process and was positive for COVID and was released back into the community. This is what's happening that you are absolutely right is not being communicated in the mainstream media. And these type of instances are happening every day at our border. And it, it, it only does is it affects us eventually in our communities. So let's look at uh, maybe one of the reasons why we're we've stopped really thinking and using logical arguments. We've gotten back to or gotten to a place where, well, I just feel like this is right. I, I know you're, you're using a lot of facts, but I just feel like we really want to help these people. They're disadvantaged. We have uh, the most prosperous nation of the world. We should be doing more. Are we really showing compassion, though, with uh, with some of the policies that just elicit open, just come on in, what is that doing to the very people that we think we're, we're helping? And it's, uh, it's, it's a great point. And it's not really so much about com- compassion because the United States has sent billions of dollars to Mexico and Central America. When I served there uh, under the Merida Initiative, we worked and we saw, I saw our U.S. tax dollar, dollars being implemented in Mexico and Central America with equipment, with training, uh, training the police force. I did uh, a lot of human trafficking conferences and trainings uh, for those type of investigations. And so it, it, we, it just, for me, unfortunately, that money has not resulted in something that was positive for any of those countries. It's actually gotten worse. And I know like right now, the Biden administration wants to send $4 billion additional in aid but the, the problem here, Michelle, is the corruption in these countries. That we know that that money is not going to end up a lot of it in the hands of the individuals that actually need it. And so it's, we need to assess some of that responsibility back on these governments, back on these uh, uh, governors of these countries that they need to start taking care of their own people. Now they kind of rely so much on the United States will take them in that um, we're seeing a shift from the, the prior administration saying, listen, we're going to sanction you if you don't help us detain these individuals down in the southern border of Guatemala and Honduras and even Mexico, rather than give you money. And, and I could tell you that throwing money at it is not going to solve the issue at all. Yeah, it would be nice if we could have dialogue and find some common sense ways where we can help people within their own nation. And and here's one of the reasons. Um, if we just open our borders and we help the people that are coming in, that, that sounds lovely. But there are millions of people who are still living in in horrific situations that they want to get out of that aren't getting help. And all that it's accomplished here is that we feel like we're just really loving, wonderful people. And look what we've done because we're just welcoming people in, but we're not really solving problems. How do we solve those problems? Well, um, I love that question because I, in my, in my new book, Agent Under Fire, I go through the second part of that and give real-world solutions uh, uh, when it comes to the immigration problem and the cartels and border security. And, you know, I've been hearing this immigration reform uh, statement for so many years under various uh, presidential uh, administrations, and nothing has been done about it. And not just the illegal portion of it, but the legal process. Right now, you have individuals that have waited in line, have paid their fees to become green card holders, and all of a sudden they're put aside 
for all the illegals that are coming in right now. And that's not fair to them as well. And they don't, they're not getting the benefits that they, they deserve for doing it the right way and the legal way. We still have a legal system that I also do believe is broken and needs to be fixed from you know, waiting, uh, waiting an ex exorbitant amount of years to get a green card. Another, another issue is the, um, the, the overstays, the people that come here with visas, somehow they think that because they get, got, came over in a visa that they're fine, but they've overstayed their visa. They're as undocumented as the person that waited the Rio Grande River. And so we have to deal with all these issues. And I address a lot of those in my book because it, it combines the border security issue with the, the, the violence that's happening in Mexico and their conditioning, their conditions in those countries really dictate how we're going to uh, move forward. And, and, and a lot of it won't happen until we secure our border because we have to take care of our people that are here first. We have a lot of issues going on with COVID. We have a lot of issues going on with violence around our country in Chicago, in California, uh, in uh, Maryland, St. Louis, uh, high rates of crime that a lot of those crimes are related and, and uh, back to the, uh, to the cartels. And these gangs work for them pushing their product. So I think we have a lot to address in our own country first. And then by allowing uh, uh, undocumented people just to come in, you will see the ripple effect in our communities, in our schools, our health system. I mean, it, you'll see the effect happening throughout our, 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 our cities and our, and our counties. And it's something that has to be addressed now because it's been ignored for many, many years. Yeah, it's a problem that, that happens when we abandon logic. Our compassion turns to cruelty. You know, we, we want to be so compassionate and do the compassionate thing, but we're not thinking things through. We're just doing things in such a feeling manner that uh, we're not really helping. And so we're making the matters worse, the matter worse, compassion to cruelty. Victor, your, your book, Agent Under Fire, you can really tell that you had a passion, uh, even a love for this country, for our freedoms, and even for the people who crave what we have here. I see all of that come together in, in your book. I want to talk a little bit about that, that love that, that is interwoven through the pages. Well, I, thank you. Thank you for that description. It's a great description. And I, you know, I'm a very proud American, but just like you mentioned earlier, it doesn't mean that I ignore my Mexican heritage. I love my Mexican heritage. And uh, my parents uh, are both from there and uh, they came here the legal way. My parents worked hard to get my myself and my sisters through through school and to, you know, I'm a product of the American dream and, and I'm all for that. I'm very pro legal immigration. Um, it's just the illegal part of it is I, I know I dealt a lot with the criminal part of the illegal immigration, which affects a lot of people and a lot of victims in this country from illegal aliens that really is uh, horrific to see. But I, I tried to put that in my book where uh, there has to be a balance and there has to be a, a be able to, I love what you're saying is that communication between both sides because we've lost that, that ability, either you're far one side or far the other. And we need to come together and have that discussions to be able to resolve a lot of these issues that that are, frankly, I think, uh, uh, are in dire need of attention. Well, your book not only interwoven with a lot of love 
for this country and and full of hope, but also logic and reason, which is what we've been talking about this whole week. If we could apply a little logic, a little reason, we get to a better story. We get to a story of hope. And I want to thank you for sharing your hope with us, for writing the book. We have links everywhere that pretty much everywhere you're you're listening. Agentunderfirebook.com is where you can find Victor Avila's book. Thanks for joining us. Look forward to maybe uh, having you on again, please. I would I would love to be back, and thank you so much for the opportunity to have me today. Thank you. I want to share with you something that's changed my life. Uh, it's a product, and I used to take it when they paid me to talk about it at the radio station. And when I left my job, I stopped taking the product. Right, and everything went south. It's Calitrin. It is a collagen supplement and the best out there. A lot of people take it for weight loss. I mean, people are losing anywhere from 10 to a couple hundred pounds. That's great. But for me, what it did is it helped me sleep. It helped me focus. My hair, skin, and nails were looking spectacular. It is amazing for those who may have arthritis, achy joints, that kind of thing. But man, it really is a fountain of youth in a bottle and I could feel its effects when I stopped taking it. So I contacted them and said, hey, do you want to be an affiliate? You know, you don't you have to sponsor my show. Just give me an opportunity to get the product at a special deal and to share that with my listeners. And that's what we're doing. So go to mymichellelive.com, click on the link and learn more about Calitrin, my favorite product. All right, we're going to take this bad boy to the God story. This podcast today, we're going to look a little bit deeper because it would seem that when we work with logic and reason, it is reasonable to consider faith in science, in history, in communication, to employ logic and reason. We have given way to feeling and rhetoric. Can we ever return? What is the problem? Why aren't we teaching logic anymore? And how has it affected you? We are taking that on today with a gentleman from a a very helpful organization that looks at issues just like this and many more answers in genesis he's a speaker writer and researcher for answers in genesis bodhi hodge is our guest bodhi hey thanks for joining us Hey, it's great to be on the show. Yeah, it's good to talk with you. It's been quite a while, but in this time, maybe we should have talked more because uh, we need to get back to a little bit of logic and reason. I mean, do you pretty much see in every regard, in in everything that we see on the news, uh, what we're hearing from our leaders and politicians, what's happening in uh, everyday America, it is all Uh, seems to stem from this breakdown of an an adherence to logic and reason. Oh, that's exactly right. You know, uh, I I notice this not just with politics. I see it in education. I see it in science fields. You know, my background is science. I actually have a bachelor's and a master's degree in mechanical engineering. And the, the job of an engineer is to think through problems logically and try to solve those. 
And yet, uh, if, if when I look back at my own education, I was never required to have a logic course. And that kind of surprised me. <laughs> um, you know, as I start doing engineering, I'm like, well, why didn't they train me in logic? It, it, it actually kind of surprised me, kind of shocked me. But yes, you're right. I do. I see that in politics. I see it in science. I see it wherever I'm at. And I always wondered, why is it that so many people have never been taught logic? I actually decided to look that up. Um, I don't know if you're curious about that little oh, history of why nobody yes. taught logic anymore. Be- because we <laughs> but, used to, uh, correct? We used to, yes. In fact, I had a professor. He was an older professor, well-retired, and he came back to kind of help out with a class. And uh, at one stage, he said to me, he said, just think through this logically. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to. And he's like, well, you just did a fallacy. He's like, think back to when you were a kid and you were taught all these logical fallacies. I was like, I was never taught those things. And he's like, you were never taught logic? And he's like, and you're an engineer? And I said, yes. And uh, I thought, okay, well, what happened? Because he was taught it. He had had several classes in logic. And that kind of surprised me because I didn't have any. So I went back and I looked and I realized that across the board, logic courses were pretty much just thrown out of the education system around the year 1950 to around 1960. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you look up uh, secular-based logic textbooks, you know, like what they would have used in a state school back then, the last ones that were published were really late 50s, early 60s. There just there just isn't any. Now, there's some Christians that have, uh, you know, published some, and, and that's, that's okay. a great thing. And you see, uh, you know, a few people using it, but by and large, they threw it out. Does that seem uh, counterculture to admit <laughs> that in the secular realm, logic books have disappeared, but in the Christian realm, logic books still exist? I mean, that, they're still about. That sounds counter, well, ca- ca- like uh, you, uh, uh, it goes against it the culture. Culture, doesn't it? Yes, yes, <laughs> that's what she's trying to say. Well, well, here's what it is. You know, when you think about this from, say, a biblical viewpoint, we are made in the image of a logical, all-knowing God. So when he made us, he made us to be logical beings, to be able to follow reason and logic. There were times in the Bible where God would speak to someone and say, come, let us reason. Okay. You know, so, I mean, okay. th- there's a reason for that. Now, out in the secular world, if everything ultimately came from nothing, which is essentially what the various models of Big Bang teach, everything came from nothing, you ultimately evolved from chemicals and that sort of thing, then what is logic? You know, logic isn't matter. It's not material. Um, it, it all of a sudden kind of becomes this whole separate realm, this whole separate concept. And so what happened, though, uh, when you look back in the 1950s, what was happening was an evolutionary worldview, Big Bang, things like that were being taught in earth science class, in history class, uh, in biology and uh, geological sciences and so forth. And then the kids would go over to a logic class and they would see the fallacies within that worldview. So something had to give. So what they ultimately did was threw out logic. They threw out logic. And so all of a sudden, we have entire generations of people who were no longer taught how to think. They were told what to think. And uh-huh. that changes an entire culture. And that's what we're living in today. Yes, we are indeed. And this is where we're at. We don't have logic. What is it, though? Can we maybe rewind a little bit? Uh, because <laughs> folks sure. will say, well, you know, I'm trying to think logically. This makes Correct. sense to me. Isn't that really what we think logic is? This makes sense yeah. to me. 
That's right. In fact, all of us use logic every day, whether we realize it or not. We sometimes just don't know the names of it, or we don't always spot the fallacies. But sometimes you can hear an argument and say, well, there's something wrong with that argument. <laughs> sometimes we can't name it. See, that's where when you study logic and logical fallacies, you can learn those kinds of things. But really what logic is, it is uh, essentially uh, the the tools for correct reason, uh, to be able to think through things, think, think through arguments. When I, when I say arguments, I don't mean like yelling matches and things like that, but thinking through things, propositions and premises, you know, to arrive at an actual conclusion. So that's what happens with logic. That's the actual definition mm -hmm. of it. All right. Yeah, here, I've got uh, one of the definitions for it right here, right in front ah, of me. Ah, excellent, excellent. Uh, yeah, this, is, this comes from Merriam-Webster. They say logic uh, used strictly in the singular is the science that deals with the formal principles of reason. And, of course, we all want to be logical. We all, we all do that, don't we? We do. We try. Again, uh, for me, I think the average person would say the, the very definition to me is that seems reasonable. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the, the problem is, and, and we all fall into this, because we're in a sin-cursed and broken world, sometimes when we think through things, we think, don't think through it properly. Or sometimes we, we hear an argument that sounds reasonable uh, because we really haven't thought too deeply about it. And so sometimes we start thinking illogically on certain things, but we don't realize it. I found that most people that commit logical fallacies, for example, they don't realize that they were doing it. You have to point it out, and then sometimes they step back and go, oh, yeah, that is fallacious. I didn't realize that. And, you know, I don't say that to be critical to other people because I look back in my own life, and I'm like, oh, wow, I was so illogical on this point, you know. Uh, you know, as I've grown and learned and studied so much about logic and reasoning, um, it really has helped me hone in on arguments, be able to say things a little better, and at the same time, it takes the emotion out of it. You know, sometimes when you're really close to an argument or, or, or you really believe something and you're really sure about it, and then when you find out it may not be right, sometimes you still want to believe it anyway. <laughs> Logic, when you understand that, it Welcome helps you to be America. able to analyze <laughs> it. You know, okay, maybe this isn't the best. Um, so it, it brings a little humbleness into it, I think. Okay, if you don't mind, help us to see maybe some of the illogical uh, addictions that we have in America, because there are quite a few ways that uh, we're hearing arguments out there. We're even being manipulated. And frankly, it's maddening. I mean, people, people are being manipulated by illogical fallacies, and we don't even really understand why. Can you give us some examples so it kind of sets the stage so we can ex understand what is happening and, and why we're getting away mm -hmm. from logic? Well, they're all over the place. I mean, I hate to put it that way. I actually wrote a whole book on it called Confound the Critics, where I'm using actual examples where people have written to us, and they're just full of logical fallacies. So I go through and I break them down, and I show you how to, how to spot these things. But there's one that I just did that got published this week. It's uh, actually making a lot of waves out there, <laughs> uh, because that's what happens mm -hmm. when you respond to someone like Snopes. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Snopes. Snopes is one yes. of those fact-checking websites. Yes. and. You know, there's times they fact-check that's really good. There's times they fact-check that's not very good. And uh, they decided to have a go at Christianity uh, the other day, basically just, just ripping into us. And it wasn't actually Snopes as an author. Uh, they actually had a guest author that had written it, and they went ahead and just put it on their website and didn't didn't even think twice about it. So they put it up, and I actually did the response to it, and it's out there uh, on the web uh, right now. 
but for example, one of the things that was used in that particular article was uh, Heckel's faked embryo drawings. I don't know if you're familiar with Heckel's fakes. Uh, Heckel lived in the, the late 1800s, and he drew up all these little uh, creatures, whether it's a fish, a salamander, a turtle, a chicken. He even put a human in there, basically their little embryos. And he basically had them all drawn out, almost identical, saying we had gill slits and we're just going through these phases of evolution. Well, people were able to spot that that was a fake pretty quick. And so people have pointed out that it's a fake. The problem is it's still in textbooks. It's still in museums. You know, I saw it in a museum in Sweden there maybe 15, 20 years ago, you know, with these big banners. Well, it's still there. Well, in this particular article, they acknowledge that it was a fake, but then they went on to defend it. And it was the oddest thing, which is exactly opposite of what you would expect from someone from Snopes. You're supposed to check these things out. If they're being fallacious in their argument, you pull that out. And that's exactly what happened in this one. So really what they said was they're going to go ahead and agree with it anyway. So they were being arbitrary and they were actually being fallacious in their argument. And it's it's astounding because Snopes has done that on the political level as well, when I think it was AOC who had said that she pointed out the things that happened during the Capitol riots and yet she wasn't actually in there at the time and Snopes had reported, well, that's false or mostly false. While she wasn't there, uh, still, it's like, well, if she wasn't there, then how is that mostly false? Uh, And so what you're saying is that we've come to a dangerous place in America where Okay, so you can say that, but I still believe this. And I hear that a lot. I hear that with our continued reporting of what's going on with the coronavirus, the efficacy of certain policies that we've put into place. And still, well, still, I, I'm, I believe this. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? And, and you know what that is? That, that's actually when they start diving into an area called arbitrariness. There, there's three really good ways to refute an argument. One is if they're being arbitrary. Basically, they're just throwing an opinion out there. They're just being relative. Um, you know, sometimes they just throw conjectures out there. That's just arbitrary. They, they've never actually offered any proof. That's just a, basically their opinion. Uh, the other way is when you show where they're being inconsistent. That's where logical fallacies come in. You know, they may say one thing and believe another. That's a double standard fallacy. Uh, The third way is if we call this presuppositional tensions. Uh, Basically, the preconditions for their argument don't make sense in light of their own worldview. In other words, they, they got the rug pulled out from under them. Um, you know, based on their own worldview. But what you just pointed out there is these are just people throwing out their opinions anyway. They're just conjecturing, oh, well, I believe it anyway. And so therefore, that's what it's going to be. That's just arbitrary. And as soon as you can spot that they're being arbitrary, uh, you realize they have no weight in their argument at all. There's just none at all. There's been times we've thoroughly refuted somebody's opinion. And they say, well, it's my opinion anyway. That's what that's what I'm going to believe. What it shows is that that they're willing to be illogical. They're willing to be irrational. And, uh, you know, sometimes people are like that, as sad as it is. We see that in the realm of faith, and that's where this is the most important thing, that in our age, uh, religion seems to be diametrically opposed to reason, at least in the public square. But in reality, uh, 
Jesus preached, uh, as he preached, lives were changed. His disciples went and preached the gospel, and you had people like the Bereans saying, hey, wait, I'm going to question this. God didn't throw lightning down on them. The Bible says, come, let us reason together, you know, uh, when right. people would people say, okay, I need to question this. I'm not sure if this is so. God doesn't strike you with lightning. In fact, he encourages it. And that is kind of right. unique, actually, in um, religious texts, is it not? Yeah, it really is. And, you know, we're in a culture today where people redefine words. I mean, boy, we're seeing that all the time. People are redefining male and female and marriage and you name it, they're redefining it. Well, one of the words that's been redefined is the word reason. There's a magazine out there called Reason. It's actually run by skeptics. These are atheists, secular mm -hmm. humanists, people who do not believe in God. And they basically redefine the word reason to be this concept of, of secularism, the, this religion of secular humanism or atheism. They're calling that reason. But see, this is one where, uh, you know, they really fall into a presuppositional uh, problem. Let me explain that again. Here these guys are. Now, I want, you to, I, I want people to understand what an atheist is. An atheist is a, is a religious viewpoint out there that says there is no God. They're not saying that there might be a God. That's agnosticism. They're saying there is no God. There's no spiritual God, to be specific, because it's the God of the Bible that is a uh, spiritual God. We see that in John uh, 4.24, for example. But what they're saying is they are atheistic, and atheism is built on what's called materialism. They argue that everything that exists is material, the whole universe. Everything is made out of matter and energy. There is no spiritual realm. That's why they try to make this argument there is no God, because there's no spiritual realm. In fact, if you look at their argument carefully, when they say that everything is material, well, now you've got a huge problem. Because guess what? Logic and reason, they're not made out of material. Well, then there you go. <laughs> and neither is love. And... By their own religion, they can't even make sense of logic and <laughs> yeah. reason. So what they do, they actually end up coming over and borrowing from a biblical worldview, and they oftentimes don't realize that. So that's where we like to point that out and point out the, the fallacy in that then. When we look at some of the fallacial arguments that are tossed about, uh, our lack of learning of logic makes us very vulnerable to whatever we're told. And we're seeing a rise in propaganda in America, yeah. where you are being yeah. told what to think, we're being led into groupthink in a lot of ways. Um, I'm not going to slam each one of those individual messages. I'm just saying that as messages come yeah. to us, we're ill-equipped to, to reason out if these things that we're being told are true or not. And so we essentially become sheeple. Right. You know, that, that happens all the time. And, and so often, because we've not been trained in logic, when somebody says something, because we can't really spot what's wrong with it, sometimes we just adopt it and we believe it. Um, so, I mean, we have to be very careful about that. You know, in the Bible, it actually says, you know, the first to present his case seems right until another comes and examines him. <laughs> and so often we don't take that second step where we go in and examine, is this really right? Is this really the right argument? Is this really the case? And propaganda is a great one. You know, I mean, propaganda exploded in World War II. You know, the Nazis were famous for their propaganda, but they weren't the only ones. You know, uh, a lot of people started to buy into it. Advertisement is some of the 
the the biggest forms of propaganda. Get this while it's hot, you know, or uh, get the latest gadget, the latest technology. I mean, we sometimes all like, oh, I better go get this. That's a propaganda type. There's no logical reason. For and we had that during World this. War II, didn't we? You know, if you yeah. buy this, you're being patriotic. Do the, you know? And it's yeah. it's just it's a manipulatory uh, practice, and we're seeing it today. I'd like to, uh, as we wind up our time together, look at some of the logic that really is presented in the Bible. I don't think people really realize just how uh, logical the Bible is and how greatly the Bible esteems logic and and reason. Yeah. Oh, boy, I absolutely love it. In fact, the end of the Bible is the foundation for reason. Um, because we're made in the image of a logical God. So I, I absolutely love that kind of a subject. Uh, so, yeah, I'm more than happy to dive into some of that. Um, you know, when you uh, look at the scriptures, uh, you know, I love that that one verse where it says, come, let us reason. And I don't know if people realize the the context of that. Um, let me, I'm going to pull that verse up here uh, real quick. This is in Isaiah Uh, chapter 1, verse 18. And this is the Lord speaking. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now, you know, contextually, I mean, this is a prophecy 700 years before Christ. And here's what the Lord is doing. The Lord knows all things, so his reason is always right. And so when he's sitting here telling Isaiah, hey, come let us reason together, although um, our, our sins are like scarlet, they're red, they're, they're, it's like they're bloody, they shall be white as snow in one sense. And uh, that's, that's prophesying about Jesus Christ who steps into history and dies on the cross, takes our sin upon himself so that we can be forgiven of our sins. Now, if you think about this logically, the punishment from an infinite God is an infinite punishment. There is no way we as a human being could take that punishment from an infinite God. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is infinite, he could take that punishment. So when Jesus dies on the cross, the infinite Son takes the infinite punishment from the infinite Father, and that's enough to satisfy God's wrath upon sin. That's what makes salvation possible. So here, we're looking at a prophecy all the way back in the book of Isaiah, about 700 years before Jesus, and it just it fits beautifully as you look and see the scriptures unfold later on. It's amazing that you can see the logic in creation. You can see the yeah. the the intelligent design, but beyond just the intelligent design, the the logic, the reason, the purpose, and not just yeah. intelligent but purposeful. You can look at uh, just one area of creation and i would say our water circulatory system you know the same water that people have been drinking and bathing in and washing in um, in the times of uh, biblical times that you were just mentioning is the same water we're using today that recycling and the cleansing as it goes through the earth as it filters through um, the uh, experiencing the miracles of water i can't even touch on the depths of it in the length of this program but there are other things that you see a logic reason and a purpose in in creation what's your favorite example 
Oh, there's so many. You know, right there in right? Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the, the, the earth was without form and void, and the Lord was hovering over the face of the waters or over that, that deep. There's the water right there. But notice what else we have there. We have time. Uh, you know, in the beginning, uh, you know, time is, is triune. If you think about it, it's past, present, and future, where the absolute present is where the past and the future all come together in one point. Uh, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the space-time continuum. So, uh, you know, we have space, you know, which is, you know, triune, essentially, length, width, and height. Uh, we see water. We also see God say, let there be light. Light is actually triune. You know, it's got an electrical uh, element to it, a magnetic element to mm. it, and it's got the velocity. Um, water. Oh, water is so incredible. If you just think of the triple point of water, it, it's a solid liquid and a gas at the same time. It's just, it's incredible at a particular pressure and temperature. There's so much I could do just right there looking at that. But here's the one that I love. You move farther down in there. You know, God creates, uh, uh, you know, the land. He uh, He creates the sun, moon, and the stars. It's that easy because he's an all-powerful God. It's that easy. Uh, he makes animals. He makes uh, you know, flying creatures and sea creatures. He makes land creatures, but then he makes man. And when he makes man, they're they're unique. They're made in the image of God. Now, if we just think about this, we're not God. No, not by any means, but we're made in the image of God. We're made in the image of a ruling God. He logically gave us something to rule over. He gave us dominion over the earth. Uh, he, uh, and when he made us, uh, he made us in the image of a logical God, which is why we can do logic and reason and have this conversation right here. Uh, it's just there's so many little beautiful aspects to that with regards to logic, with regards to reason. And I love looking at Genesis because it is the foundation of every major doctrine, theologically, directly or indirectly, that is, uh, all the way back there in Genesis 1 to 11. It really is foundational to so many aspects of our Christian faith. Uh, let me just give you an example. This, this is one that I love. Clothing. You're probably wearing clothes right now. <laughs> I'm yes. wearing clothes right now. <laughs> uh, but most of our listeners probably are. If not, uh, well, I hope you get out of the shower here anytime. But uh, most of the time when we run around, we wear clothes. Well, why is that? Why do we wear clothes? Let's think about this from a secular viewpoint. If we just evolve from animals that go all the way back to a single-celled organism, why do we wear clothes? If somebody says, well, it's cold out, well, then when it's warm, do you not wear clothes? Well, of course, we still wear clothes. See, when we look at clothing, originally, when there was no sin in the world and everything was perfect, uh, Deuteronomy 32, 4 says every work of God is perfect. Genesis 1, 31 uh, says that uh, everything was very good originally. It really was perfect. Nobody wore clothes. Adam and Eve were, were naked, and they were without shame. It's because of sin that now we wanted to cover ourselves. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, they grabbed fig leaves and they tried to cover themselves uh, real quick. And that was not very logical <laughs> because if you've ever felt a fig leaf uh, that's like itchweed, it causes a horrible rash. Uh, it, it was terribly illogical for them to want to grab that. What the Lord does, he sacrificed animals to cover that sin. And yes. as a result, we all wear clothing even to this day. It's the foundation for the doctrine of clothing. See, the Bible logically gives us reasons for these types of things, and sometimes we don't think through those very basic ones. Why is there a seven-day week? God created everything in six days and rested for on the seventh as a basis for our work week. There's so many little things like that. Yeah. So last question brings us back to the world we live in, <clears throat> the um, rhetoric and feelings that drive us, and 
if there is hope that we can get back to a little logic, reason, and faith. How do we do that? Oh, you know what? I mean, the first thing we need to do is start training the next generation. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, I'm, I'm a World War II buff. You know, I like to read about a lot of that and, and, you know, what all happened. You know, it's just it's a fascinating war. But one of the things that Hitler did prior to World War II is he, he said, you know, if he could train one generation, he could turn them into exactly what he wanted them to be. And you know what? Welcome to America now. There is a little now. bit of truth to that. Yeah, there's a little truth to that. What we need to do, though, is start training them in the correct things. And if we could train the next generation how to do logic, how to do reasoning, get them back into things like logic courses, you'd be surprised what that would do. Um, huh. I'm involved in a little school here called 12 Stones Christian Academy where we reintroduced logic classes at a grade school level and a high school level. And the kids said it was their favorite class. And here's why. They, they actually said this to me, and, this, and I repeat this all the time now, but they said this is the first time someone's taught us how to think. Instead of what to think. And that's what we're doing in our schools right now. We're teaching kids what to think. And and we've even gone beyond that. Beyond, I think, um, Bodhi, the facts and figures of what to think Mm -hmm. to to what to feel. And that, to me, is even more dangerous than teaching people what to think. Because we've just gotten the whole thinking process out of it altogether. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's all based on feelings. Wow. What's interesting about what you said, though, what is really interesting is that you're a man of faith. You were talking Bible stuff. I like that. We get to the God story on on this program. But what I didn't hear you say that we need to do for the next generation is indoctrinate them in the word and to make sure that everybody learns the Bible. You started with, and and not to say that you don't think everyone could really use that, what you said was very important. We need to get back to teaching logic and reason. And I think there's a logical Mm -hmm. and reasonable explanation for why you went down that route. Because when we teach logic and reason, it stands to reason that we're going to come to a logical, correct answer. And that seems to always bring us to the God story, inevitably. That's right. It always brings us back to God's Word. You see... When it comes to logic and reason, they're intricately connected with the Word of God. And that's why it's so powerful. And I think that's one of the reasons when they were throwing out the Bible and throwing out prayer out of the public school system, you know, back in the 1960s, they threw out logic with it because it's all part and parcel of the same. We need to get back to God's Word. That's exactly right. We need to get back to logical and reasonable thinking. Uh, When we look at the world, we need to think in terms of what God's Word says, because God is always right when it comes to logical issues. That's very, very powerful. And I think that's something that we need to wrap our brains around. Not everybody who listens to this program is listening because they believe in the God story. They're just interested in that deeper story. Excuse me. So I guess what I'm going to ask of you as you're listening is to think about that. If in the faith realm, we say, hey, let's get back to logic and reason. But in the secular realm, in the world that we live in, we have thrown logic and reason. Rationality has even gone at this point. And we are governed by how we feel. There is a problem there. 
and it's worth really digging into. What is it about the God story that always leads us to a logical and reasonable conclusion? Boom, there you go. Drop the mic. Uh, Bodie Hodge, I want to give you the last word. Hey, I just want to say thank you. And, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there listening that, that may not be believers. They may not follow the Bible. In fact, they may have been influenced by the secular world. Hey, I want to encourage you because there were times in my past that I struggled with many of those same things. But here's what I want you to realize. When it comes down to just about every argument, it, it's going to be an authority issue. You're either going to have to trust what God has to say on the subject, or if by default you'd reject God, by default you're going to be standing on what man has to say. So that's really what it comes down to, trusting man or trusting God. And I want to encourage you, uh, you know, if you've been influenced by man and man's religions, whether it's secularism, evolutionism, humanism, whatever it might be, I want to encourage you to challenge it, to actually look it up. Think about these things logically. Compare these kinds of uh, uh, accounts, uh, you know, one origins account versus the other, because it will change your life when you realize that God and his word is true. And so, uh, you know, I would love to just be able to say a little prayer for you when I hop off the phone uh, to get back to God and His Word and see the power of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. That's right. You can reach us here at MyMichelleLive.com. We will always talk the God story with you. It is a beautiful story, and this is a beautiful conclusion. Bodie Hodge is not only a speaker, writer, and researcher for Answers in Genesis, he's also one of the most... Um, endearing people like ever. I mean, you're just so wonderful. You're such a nice guy to talk to. <laughs> God bless you. Well, glad you could reason things out with me. If anything I said today it doesn't sound logical or reasonable, you can find me at My Michelle Live. Hey, let's talk about it. Let's reason together. Let's have a logical discourse. What do you say? Do you think it's possible in this day and age? Can it start with you and I? If you liked what you heard today, we're in our infancy, really. I mean, we've been doing this show for a long time, but we're in our infancy in the electronic podcasting era. So like us, share us just one little simple like uh, copy and paste the url and say hey give a listen to this what do you think and share the god story find the god story along with us let's look together i'm michelle mendoza we'll catch you next time more news and views at mymichellelive.com